Hi, I'm Jeff Sikinga, Executive Director of the Ashbrook Center, and this is The American Idea, coming to you from Peter Schramm's library in Ashland, Ohio. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The American Idea. Our very special guest today is Molly Hemingway, Fox News contributor and senior editor at The Federalist, um, someone deeply involved in uh, analyzing, thinking about contemporary politics and media in society. Molly, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here with you. Let me just ask, start this, throw this question out for you. What's wrong with the contemporary media? Well, <laughs> Is that too big a question with too long an answer? Yes, uh, there's so much wrong that I'm not sure where to, how to respond. But ideally, and I think in the conception of most Americans, a free press is important in order to come to the truth. Yeah. People want to know what is true, and, the, and a free press can, can serve the purpose of helping people know what is true. Right. And our current media environment is not designed to come to truth. It's designed to control information, control what people think, suppress true information, hmm. and until that changes, we have a very serious problem on our hands. So sometimes you hear the free, uh, I think James Madison and some of the other founders described the, 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 the free press as a palladium of liberty, sort of putting out accurate information, letting, the, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant, and it was said in the 20th century, um, allowing the discovery of truth. How is that, and you're saying that is not in fact what's happening, it's the opposite. Why? What are some of the causes of this really important shift? I mean, the, for a long time, we've thought of the media as speaking truth to power. I think one of the most interesting causes right now is the role of technology, tech, tech companies. Huh. So they exist as powerful publishers and controllers of content and are doing a lot to keep some information from coming out. They are, it, it's, it's a bigger issue than just the media, I think. Tech companies are becoming so powerful that they are more powerful than, than the government, including the US government. Hmm. This is an interesting challenge in that a lot of our frameworks for business and, and, and government are based on institutions that don't have as much power as these tech companies have now, where they can put people offline, they can censor entire stories, they can control narratives, they can influence public opinion. They have so much of a role in elections. You know, in, in recent years we talked about Russian meddling, which was, which was based on this theory that Russians, by purchasing a few Facebook ads that were disruptive, had meddled in the 2016 election. And if that was true, it pales so much in comparison to what tech mm. companies do by taking candidates off of their platforms, by directing people in one party to vote and not the other, by algorithmic benefits to one party over another. You know, so if you're doing, if you're putting something in a search engine, I think people think they're getting back honest results. Yeah, most people do if they do a Google search. That is certainly not true. What's happening in, in a Google search and some other some other social uh, some other search engines is that you get information that's curated to lead you into a particular direction. This type of election meddling and then just the basic stuff like kicking candidates off or mm -hmm. flagging 
certain tweets or certain certain posts on Facebook has so much more of an influence on elections than the Russians would have dreamed of in their most right. successful operation. So you, as senior editor of The Federalist, you're obviously, it's one of the most important and interesting and significant online publications looking at contemporary society and politics. And some people have argued that the proliferation of that kind of digital media has helped to democratize uh, sort of commentary and, and journalism and gotten information out that wouldn't otherwise be able to get out in the days of three, you know, the sort of the three major broadcast uh, networks. What do you think about that argument? Oh, it's, it's so true that there are benefits and costs to our new our new system. And one of them is that not just that new publications can arise, but new voices. We have a lot of women who write for us at The Federalist who would not have been able to have careers in journalism if it required them to move to New York City, forsake a family, right. and work full-time in, in journalism. And because of that old system, that constrained what people thought of as, you know, again, what, what a woman's viewpoint was. It was all focused on D.C. and New York women who didn't have a lot of the values that the rest of America did. And because of this new environment, you just get a wealth of ideas and a vibrancy. And these are important things, even versus, not just versus the major corporate media, but even in particular niche environments. But it's also true that because these tech companies can suppress information so much, it's it, the, the effect can be constrained in an unnatural way. Yeah. So, so the Federalist, uh, your job as senior editor there, what are some of the challenges that you face in putting out that kind of, uh, you know, great stories on a digital platform like that? Well, more than anything, good reporting takes time and money. Mm -hmm. And you look at this media environment where you have some of the world's wealthiest corporations and individuals backing tons of leftist corporate media. You know, Politico is a publication in D.C. that was just bought by KKR, one of the largest private equity firms in the world. You have these billionaires who are buying publications like the Washington Post mm -hmm. in order to influence and shape public perceptions of information and to, to keep their power and their wealth coming. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have not just, you just don't have much support for it. Having any voice that counters corrupt propaganda media is important. The more it can be supported, the more it can be, uh, that it can be financed, the better. And there is a huge financial disparate impact. I mean, you see it even on, in the big corporate media, you see that the advertisers are willing to be with even some of the most far left crazy outlets like MSNBC or CNN, but not Fox News in the same way. So you see these uh, differentials yeah. even at the at the larger level, but it's certainly true at the smaller level too. So Fox News, you're obviously a regular, you, you have regular appearances there and lots of folks know you from that. What Talk to us about what it's like to give commentary and thoughts on television versus doing it <laughs> in the, in, on The Federalist. I prefer myself to read my news. I like to read okay. arguments. Yeah. And yet I understand how important it is to be on television because that's where vast majority of people think about the news, get their news. And it is a completely different environment. Hmm. You, know, you, can, you can write a piece that's 1,500 words, and you can flesh out arguments, and you can be nuanced, and you can say on one hand or the other. And on TV, you just have to go straight for the most important <laughs> right. point. No nuance. And that 
is interesting, but I've but I've but it's challenging. Before I did TV, I didn't realize how difficult it was or how smart the hosts are. I always thought, oh, they're just reading the teleprompter. Right. That yeah. is not true. They are they're operating so many things at once. You know, they're forming their own show. They're they're saying their own thoughts. They're reading a teleprompter, sure, from what they've written previously, but they've got a multitude of voices in their ears telling them things about timing uh, and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what to say and what to avoid and to listen to the guest and ask thoughtful questions. It's all it's just a fascinating medium and one that I've grown to have a lot more respect for now watching people do it well. So you're known to your fans for having being able to offer an insightful remark in a really short amount of time. That's a hard thing to do. It's also a really hard thing and you're you're known as a person who knows how to ask really good questions. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. My, my, I learned from writing books where I got to interview all these high-level people that, and I would listen to my tapes afterward of interviewing President Trump or Supreme Court justices, and I would realize I really need to work on how. <laughs> it's amazing they would answer so well because my questions would just be more like throwing thoughts out and having them respond. But that's what I'm talking about is the importance of being able to say something quickly and how important how that's what viewers don't need to hear a long rambling discourse about something i think they just want to have the main point taken away but it is not my natural state of being i definitely prefer having time to write out an argument uh, yeah. and thinking through well if i say it this way will that or you know if i write it this way what what have i neglected or what should i add to and these types of things which i don't get to do on television so right so, so obviously, you you come to journalism with um, some you, you know you're unique, I think, in many ways, in the sense of bringing an understanding of some elements of American history or American public thought and principles to journalism. Um, we and we always it's always interesting to us to ask. So, in American history, do you have a favorite figure, either in American history or in American journalism, that you think, yeah, now that's a journalism or a public figure? that really, I think, is someone we can learn from. I'm not sure I do in journalism. And then as far as in American history, I am, I I like to read about different eras and different people right now. And for the last couple of years, I've definitely been interested in Lincoln, which was one one of the people that I wasn't interested in so much growing up. I grew up out West where, you know, we, we, didn't have the same focus on the Civil War that people in other states did. Right. And so I kind of came to him late, and I really liked him. When I was younger, I was a huge Jefferson fan, less so now, but still admiring him. I also, um, you know, I just, I live in Virginia, so there are so many founding fathers there, and it's interesting to look through how people who were really amazing at codifying, you know, say religious liberty, but in their own personal lives were not living up to their own ideals, you know, even in terms of people who knew slavery was wrong, but passed on their slaves to their children, these types of things. So there's so much to think about with all of our founding fathers and with other people. But, But to your point, that is one thing that bothers me about a lot of what's happening in media these days is nobody nobody's really thinking about the founding principles, what makes America unique. Hmm. Or if they are, they're actually fighting them and they are opposed to them and they are you know, it's it's a huge threat, their ignorance or their hostility 
So what we don't have and what you're suggesting we need is a journalism that's much more deeply informed by an understanding of sort of American founding principles. There's no question that not just journalism, but I would say it actually is important for all Americans to have much more of much more knowledge, interest and you know, thoughtful engagement with the American founding its principles. Yeah, yeah. Um, you teach a class in journalism. I know that out, out in Washington, D.C., um, for probably some aspiring young journalists and other folks who are going to be interacting with, with journalists. Um, what's your sense of the, the students you teach? Uh, of What do you tell them when they ask you, give me some advice about going into journalism? Well, I, I'm a big fan of people going into journalism, and I think that it needs good people who think critically to to talk and write and speak about the important issues of our day. It's interesting because 20 years ago, that was a totally different answer that you might have. I thought it was so important to enter what we called at the time mainstream media, mm -hmm. to get your reporting chops down and to not put your opinion out there. And if there's anything we've learned in the last 20 years or last five years, it's that there is no such thing as mainstream media. No, the, that's what, interesting. What do you mean by that? What we call mainstream media is actually left-wing media, and huh. it's corporate, it's propaganda, so it's not media, really, it's propaganda. And so how important is it to enter into that space? How important is it to learn their rules? Most people who went into that space were co-opted by that space. Hmm. Uh, there were so many different journalism programs run by people who cared about America for you know different reasons or were religious about how to help people get into mainstream media. And what happened was the values of those people infected the, the people who started there. And so I think it's important and that it's very good to do fact-based journalism that is not pushing a narrative. I just don't think that can be done in what we used to call what we used to call mainstream media, but which hmm. is actually corrupt propaganda. And further, I would say this propaganda media is the biggest threat to the country right now, must be dealt with, and must be fought vigorously. And so people who don't share the, the left-wing, dangerous, damaging values of the propaganda press need to have much better ways of fighting it. And so part of that can be, you know, their own publications or working for independent publications. Right. Um, but really doing good journalism and doing, re doing reported journalism that tells what's happening right now, but also puts it in the context of why it's important and yeah. what values went into it. So, so um, you write a lot, obviously, when you're writing for The Federalist. And as you said, you'd like to write those 1,500-word pieces. And what about tips for writing? How do you approach writing as a journalist? I think what's most important for journalists is to, or for any writer is to just understand their own style. And the only way you can understand your own style is, is by doing it. Um, but everybody has a different method. And now that I edit people, I see that they all have different approaches too. Some people, you know, they, they outline a piece, and then they fill it in chunk by chunk. Other people, they have to write from top to bottom. They have to have a good start in order to, to end. One tip that I give my writers at The Federalist is to start with the headline. 
you it, it focuses your thoughts it's, and also the way headlines are written now instead of the beautiful era when they were funny and punny and in print now they're designed to grab you right away and they have to say what's going on so it's almost like a lead that first sentence I of see. a piece yeah, yeah, yeah. and so if you get that down you can get the rest and then it's all kind of your own style your own approach and uh and i i also would say that editors, a good editor is a gift from God, and to, tr- <laughs> to, to take them as that gift. Not every editor is great, and I've certainly had pieces where I thought the editor made it worse, but in general, appreciate good editing and learn from the editing as well. Oh, that's fantastic advice. Molly Hemingway, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Hi, I'm Molly Hemingway. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The American Idea, a production of the Ashbrook Center. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on your platform of choice. Subscribe for more at ashbrook.org slash American Idea Pod. And follow them on Twitter and Facebook at A-M-I-D-E-A Podcast.